When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hazel's Story, an epic saga podcast. We're here to dive deep into the panels and pages of Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples' comic book masterpiece, unlocking the amazing characters, themes, and weirdness in this grand space opera. I'm Alan. And my name's Abu. And another month, another awesome new chapter of Saga, y'all. I just love it. I'm still not over the fact that we get these every month. Right. It's still new and unexpected every month. You'd think I'd be used to it by now, but I'm not. Totally not. So we're here to talk about chapter 57 that just came out. Just off the top, huge spoiler warning. If you are not completely caught up on Saga and have read through chapter 57, stop listening. Stop, stop, stop. We're going to be back with another read-through episode soon, but this is for those of you who have read all the way through and are current, so you have been warned. That's right. And a reminder to all of our listeners that we love to hear from you and we want to know what you think as you read new saga. So write to us at hazelstorypodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us your theories, send us your episode ideas, send us all that saga geeky weirdness straight to our inbox. Hazelstorypodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we are three chapters into this new run and like I have some feelings about where it's going. I'm sure you all do. Love to hear it. Yeah. Also, just a reminder that we're not doing the usual deep dive episodes that we do for our read-along format. This is just a quick reaction. Abu and I have just recently read this new chapter, and this episode especially is going to be a little freewheeling, a little weird. Who knows what's going to happen? So uh, (laughs) let's just fucking go. Right out of the gate, we got our first sort of flashback in this chapter. Yeah. And starting this chapter with just a giant full-page panel of... Gus literally being tickled by wolf puppies and saying, yeah, Gus is awful sensitive in his side meats is just like (laughs) Brian fan service, Fiona fan service. You know, we love Gus so much and I'm here for it. What I don't super love is we get that first page of Gus and then we don't get to hear from him again. Yeah. Brian and Fiona, don't tease me like that. Like, give me more Gus. Don't just tease me with a tiny bit of Gus. It's it's almost cruel. What a tease. Anyway, once we get past the cute Gus stuff in the flashback scene to start that chapter, it was really wild to see Brian basically catch all of us all the way up as to one, why Alana is selling drugs in this future timeline, and two, how she's been able to stay undetected for so many years as somebody from Landfall. Yeah. She had her wings surgically removed, and it seems like from her conversation that she basically got into selling Fade Away as a way to pay for the surgery. So... Everybody making compromises all over the place. Another quick react from me was like, we left on that terrible cliffhanger in the last chapter with the unnamed Captain Pirate guy threatening to do all of that terribly awful violent shit. And then he just kind of walks it all back and is like, oh, just kidding. I wouldn't have done that. I'm a drug dealer. I just make lots of threats. And I'm like, fuck that guy. Right. Like, just, just fuck him. Oh, my God. The gaslighting. 
That made me hate him so much. And then my last thing that I just like stuck with me from these chapters is that whole scene after Alana talks to the captain guy about the mission she's going to go on where she's giving these like coded instructions to all her family and crew members Mm -hmm. through like basically doublespeak. And it just made me realize how much maneuvering and lying and covering up and hiding that this group of four individuals has had to do to make it this far. And, you know, having coded messages like that is only necessary when you've had to hide to survive. And it just makes me want to know more about all the stuff they've done up to this point. And also, I want to know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Wow. Alan, it's like that's the point of releasing one chapter of a comic book <laughs> at a time. <laughs> it's almost like my my interest has been peaked. I'm hooked and I just want more. <laughs> what about you? What really stuck out to you in this chapter? Well, you covered a lot of the main points that I had as well, but I want to revisit the flashback a little bit because this opening scene was my favorite in this chapter. And I was wondering in the previous couple of chapters, if we were going to get these flashbacks. This is like a classic saga thing that Brian and Fiona do a lot in their story as they jump around in the timeline and then flashback, flash forward for storytelling reasons. And I was wondering if we'd go back closer to Marco's death to like see the family's reaction to see Alana come to terms with Mm -hmm. it. And we do here. And I'm really glad we do go back and see sort of really heartbroken Alana, in this flashback with the end wife, this opening chapter just hit me so hard. And I think the line that in particular got me was near the end of the scene where end wife says, you are a woman who soars even when grounded. The way that was set up in their conversation. And again, the way that Brian paces it with the writing and Fiona draws it with each panel. It honestly kind of like it was a culmination of that scene and it made me tear up especially given the context of everything we know Alana is going through at that moment. That's just what a short two weeks, I believe after Marco's death. Mm -hmm. And also of course we know now she has made this massive choice to remove her wings, which is effectively removing a part of her own identity as a landfallian. The most distinct part, right? Like this whole war is over horns versus wings And it's like this huge part of her identity. And she's like, no, to protect my kid, my kids now, I guess she has to do this. Yeah. Just even right now, as we were talking about this, the line where Endwife says, but father cannot join for this trip. And Alana says nothing, but you just get close up on Alana's face, big eyed and staring off into the distance. And it's just like your heart breaks all over again. And it's really the first time that you get to see Alana processing grief over Marco's death, right? Because Marco dies at the end of chapter 54. Right. And then we don't really see what the impact of that is until now. And it's just like, it just made me want to like give her a hug. Yeah. I also liked that she was being extremely practical about Mm -hmm. losing her wings. Like you would expect that losing such an identifying feature of yourself would be an extremely traumatizing thing. But she tells the end wife like, nope, this one is broken and basically getting infected and with that one broken the one on the left is useless just get rid of them for me Mm -hmm. that's the only way i'm going to survive and it's the only way i'm going to protect my children she's very practical and you can see that like of course underneath all of that is the heavy emotion and the trauma of losing the love of her life and her husband and the father of her daughter but we see how classic alana this is 
she's already just two short weeks later while processing that grief, also thinking very practically. Yeah, she's got to do what she's got to do to protect her little tribe because that's all she has left. Yeah, I just loved seeing the layers layers of Alana there as we know her in this story. I also like that this wing removal plot basically sets up the core tension of any future interactions that she has with people from Wreath, Mm -hmm. right? Now there's always this risk of her being found out or her dropping the ball. And this kind of raises an existential question for me, and I think the story is setting this up as well, how much can you really hide who you really are, right? How much can she pretend to not be a Landfallian before it catches up with her? And I have a feeling, knowing Saga, that at some point it will catch up with her. Yeah, and it's even just like all of these... I know we're focusing a lot on this first couple pages of the flashback. (laughs) It's so good. Because it's so good. But there's a way that you get all of these close-up shots. I always say shots. These close-up panels of Alana's eyes through this whole sequence. And then, of course, when it cuts forward to the future, it cuts straight to a close-up just on those same eyes. But you can see how much her eyes have changed. Great point. They're They're smarter. They're sharper. They're harder. Like, clearly she has had to harden the fuck out of herself in order to get to where she is, however many years later it is, combined with the fact that then it's like you see her hard eyes up close. She's standing there in just her bra showing this dipshit fuckwad that she doesn't have wings or whatever. Yeah. You know, and then he says some shitty thing about like, oh, you don't have any tattoos. Chicks usually have too many tattoos. It's just like, fuck you, shit fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me how you really feel, Alan. Damn. (laughs) I'm going to get the explicit label on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such a great point about the eyes. I hadn't even noticed that. Now, moving on from Alana, one other character that I'm really, really intrigued by in this chapter is Bombazine. Mm-hmm. Because he's new. At this point, three chapters into this new run, we don't really know anything about him. And a big through line of chapter 57 is Hazel talking about backstory how everyone's got one. Mm -hmm. And the end of this chapter, that final scene where Bombazine is talking to one of the band members, really heavily sets up the fact that it seems like Bombazine himself has got a backstory and it sounds like it's a dark one. So in future chapters, I hope we learn how Alana met Bombazine and why he's sticking around, helping this like fugitive widow take care of her kids yeah one of who is like royalty this guy's gotta have some motivations right he's not just sticking around for no reason so i'm sure we'll have more flashback scenes in the future where we learn about bombazine it seems like the final scene in this chapter is really setting that up and again knowing saga and knowing what brian and fiona like to do with this story i'm sure there is much more than meets the eye about bombazine So I can't wait to learn more about him. And they've set up a really ominous tone around him here. So it's funny that you bring up Bomzine and like trying to figure out what his backstory is. There's one thing in the ends of this chapter where the band member says something about you is familiar and his eyes go like dead and he's like super freaked out. And then it had me like consider for a minute, like what? Is he <laughs> like looking like all of the creatures in the saga verse are like humanoid or like human plus some other animal, right? Mm, like, yeah, endwife is some sort of like humanoid wolf creature. 
If you had to tell somebody, describe to somebody what bombazine is, what would you say? Oh my gosh. I literally do not even know where to begin. <laughs> all I all I know is he has koala ears, right? Those are Those koala, are koala ears. ears, right? I think he's got koala <laughs> ears and a koala nose. I think the same way that Gus is like a seal man person thing. I think that Bombazine might be a giant koala man person thing, which I want to yeah. know so badly if like, are these all like organic species or is this going to take some weird turn where we find out that they're like genetic experiments gone wrong that like they tried to combine right. and make super weapons out of like koala soldiers <laughs> clearly <laughs> holy shit. island of dr moreau shit maybe but probably i'm also reading way too much into it yeah yeah that's very rocket from guardians of the galaxy <laughs> totally <laughs> so alan as always we got to talk about our favorite panels and our favorite quotes from this chapter i'm curious what yours are yeah so the favorite panel um has to be I, I thought about maybe having it be Alana's eyes in that moment where and wife asks her about why Marco isn't there but really because I need some joy in my life we all need some joy in our lives it has to be yeah the end of that flashback scene that one panel with all the kids and the wolf cubs just kind of flopping around in the grass tackling Gus at the same time Aww, just yeah. like kids at play without a care in the world it's just the, the most joy in the entire universe. Just kids flopping around, tackling, jumping, whatever. Uh, it just gives me a little bit of hope, right? That even in this world, this universe of Saga, where everything is cruel and violent and scary and war-torn, kids can still just play outside with a tiny seal man in the high grass and enjoy themselves, you know? And it just, like, gives me a little hope that things can get better. I love that. What about you? What, what what was your favorite panel? So I cheated as usual. At this point, I don't know why we have rules on this <laughs> podcast. My favorite panels, multiple, is basically every panel with the will in it. We actually haven't even talked about the will's short little scene in this chapter, but yeah. my guy is looking good. Just look at his fit. I mean... He loses a hand, he gets a hook hand, and now he's out here just straight up cosplaying Captain Hook. He's got the pirate look down. Yeah. With the shaved head and everything, like I it's it's working for him, is all I'm saying. Yeah. No, I I, I absolutely <laughs> love it. Like all of those depictions of him, he's got the like the deep plunge, like pirate shirt he's got the lance that he always had but now it's like a pirate sword and it's the boots it's just those boots with like the high top and like yeah whatever yep. whatever function those serve uh, for a pirate they're serving to make him look bad the fuck ass <laughs> definitely the shaved head the five o'clock shadow head to toe my guy's looking good what about your favorite quote from today's reading so for my favorite quote, it's hard to top the one that you already mentioned from Endwife, um, but in a totally separate direction, Hazel doesn't get a lot to do in this chapter, but one of the things that I am loving in these chapters is the progressive exposure of Hazel to rock music and just how she's like having that part of her being come alive, hearing something that she's never heard before and having it just explode something inside her, mm -hmm. which is something I can absolutely identify with. And so the quote is, after they've heard a song from this punk band, Hazel 
is yelling clearly because what she's just heard has been so loud. So it's in all caps and she just goes, <laughs> my ears are hurting, but in a good way, <laughs> which absolutely brings me back to my very first very loud concert experience, which shout out to the Smashing Pumpkins at McNichols Arena, which doesn't exist anymore in Denver, Colorado in 1996 on the Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness tour. And I went in there, it was loud as hell, and I came out, and absolutely the feeling I had after watching and experiencing that was, oh my god, my ears are ringing and hurting, but in a good way. Yeah, that was such a cute line from her. It definitely made me chuckle. I also just want to call out that you've dated yourself with that concert, (laughs) but I'm also dating myself by revealing that I have no idea what that combination of words you just said means. I mean, the Smashing Pumpkins has to be a band that you are aware of their existence, right? Um, <laughs> presumably. God, I feel old. <laughs> oh, oh, man. All right. Well, we'll leave that to a different podcast. Um, the last thing before we finish up, I have to actually ask. So for the previous two chapters, you and I have gone to the comic shop to pick up these issues, right? Right. In-person yep. paper copies. We didn't have time to do that because of life. That's right. So I consumed this issue entirely via the Comixology app because I have a Comixology Unlimited subscription that I use to read old issues of stuff. I love it. I've had it forever. And so I was like, all right, I'll just buy the digital copy and read it there. I hate it. I hate the experience of mm. taking a comic book because they recently rebooted the Comixology app. So it's all vertical scroll. So there's no way to swipe between pages. You just like scroll like an Instagram feed and every page just like is an infinite scroll. And it just totally takes me out of the experience of being able to flip back and forth. It just makes it not feel like the art form that it actually is. So I hate it. I hate what they did to the Comixology app. Uh, If our listeners use Comixology and have thoughts about it, I would love to hear them. But I am definitely going paper copies for every chapter from here on out, no matter what. Yeah. I also bought it digital and also read it on Comixology. Mine's not a vertical scroll. Oh, interesting. I can flip back and forth between pages, so I don't know what's going on there. But my impression is also exactly yours. These last couple of issues, we've gone to the comic book store, we've picked it up, we've read it, we've had it in front of us while recording. It's just not the same. No. I am realizing I don't like digital because there's even something about the way that Brian and Fiona draw their panels and drop their dialogue at certain times to where like the page flip is part of the pacing. Yep. Right. If that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. And that experience isn't there when I'm just quickly swiping on a digital screen. I don't know. Maybe this is very old of me to say, but the physical interaction of flipping the page to the big reveal on the next page that Brian and Fiona have set up for us. Yeah. That feeling just cannot be replicated on a on a digital screen. So I, too, am excited to get back to paper copies for next issue. Yeah. So the difference is Comixology, the difference between you and I is Comixology updated their app, and I am a religious updater of all apps. And so I have the updated <laughs> experience. And of course, I can't go backwards, whereas you have been smart and not updated your app experience. And as such, you get the good one. I loved the old Comixology yeah. app. I do not enjoy the new one. Mm. Well, good to know. Okay, so that's chapter 57 and our instant reactions to it, Alan. It's clear this story is headed to some incredible places, and I can't wait to keep reading Mm -hmm. each and every month. Now, for our listeners, be sure to stay tuned because, as usual, we'll be back with our regular deep dive episode 
we wrapped up volume three in our previous one, and we'll be diving into the first half of volume four. So make sure you've done the reading and that you're all caught up for that. And we'll see you then. Oh my God, I love I love volume four and five. I think it's my favorite part <laughs> of the story. I'm so excited. All right, friends. Two minds can sometimes improve the odds of a podcast survival, but there are no guarantees. So help us out. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network, including the newly launched Night Night Spectre, just in time for the premiere of the brand new MCU show, Moon Knight. You can also follow our network on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Music on this show was composed by Lawrence Kelly, who makes all kinds of amazing music and the aforementioned Night Night Spectre podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. And remember, podcasts are fragile things, but just like Alana, Marco, and Hazel, we'll all just keep on exploring and learning together.